Well, good morning. Well, as Pastor Josh said, we are going to create some space at the end of the service. And so um, if you came in with a need, um, a, a need for healing, a need for prayer, we're going we're gonna to have some space for you to do that. So be ready for that. And um, I want to, before we really hyper-focus on what God is doing here, which he, uh, as Pastor Josh said, we're in a season of what's called visitation, where God is doing some extraordinary things, um, I want us to kind of pan out a little bit and realize that today, um, actually probably going on right now, um, there are 25 ARC churches launching today. And, um, and so here's the fun thing, like you're a part of that. Um, as we give generously, we're literally changing the world through new churches being planted. And so would you pray with me as we think about all those churches that are having services right now, let's pray together. Lord, thank you uh, for the opportunity uh, to be a part of a movement. Lord, I think about all these pastors who stayed up, worried about their sermons and all the chairs that needed to be set out in these temporary facilities and just all the craziness that's probably going on with tech issues. And thank you that in all that, Lord, you're doing amazing things this morning. Um, you're uh, saving people, you're healing people, you're putting marriages back together, uh, you're connecting lonely uh, people into groups. And so, Lord, um, thank you for the church. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And that when we give and when we serve, Lord, we're not just serving ourselves or our cities, uh, but we're literally serving the whole world through new churches being planted. So we thank you for that. And as we turn our attention to what you're doing now, Lord, let your spirit come and let us be sensitive to what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God wants to write power into the story of your life. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't use that word a lot, power, especially to, to describe my faith. I'll use words like faith, courage, um, you know, strength. But I actually like the P word because it comes from a Greek word dunamis. Now, what word do you think we get from dunamis? Dynamite. So power is dynamite. And I remember as a new Christian reading the Bible, and I was so, like, captivated by Jesus because he had all this power on his life. Power to heal, power to love, power to forgive, power to speak to uh, injustice. And, and I thought, man, this is amazing. And I just kept re reading the Bible, and I'm like, it's all over the Bible. It's everywhere. And I remember um, kind of thinking to myself um, and, and thinking about you know, my, my, my experience with reading the Bible and, and, and then my experience with you know, presently, and I'm like, where is this power? Where is it at? Um, why well, I even went to my pastor, and I, brought, I think I brought the Bible in, and I'm like, hey, are we gonna, are we gonna do this stuff? Is this, is this part of the deal, or is this just something we read about? He honestly didn't have a good answer. But, but here's what I've learned about power. Um, sometimes it's found where you least likely expect it. Um, my, my prayer for power, I, I certainly am, I mean, if I could just tell you of all the stories I've just heard today of what God has done in this church this week, but my prayers for power are a little more selfish in 2019. Um, I want power this year to not lose stuff. In 2018, I lost more stuff than my, in my entire life. I think it's a product of age. 
But it's one of these deals where I, I, I'm convinced a demon has been assigned to our house to steal stuff, specifically socks. Just one of the socks in multiple pairs. Does anybody have that demon in their house? Well, wh where do they go? I don't understand it. Well, the other day I was like reading a book and I don't know if you've ever really gotten into a book and you can't put it down. And then like you're either, like if you're kind of hanging out around the house, you like bring it with you and you're like you're reading when you're walking, going to the bathroom or whatever. So I am reading this book. I'm only in two rooms of my house and I cannot find it anywhere. I have no idea where it is. And so then I'm, it's, it's, it's around lunchtime. I've lost it for, I don't know, an hour or so. And I'm like, God, there, there is a demon. It stole this book. It's about Jesus. This is wrong. And I, I'm like, whatever. And so I go to the refrigerator to get something to eat. And I literally put the book in the refrigerator. <clears throat> and I was thinking, you know, sometimes the things we're looking for are not in the places we thought we would find them, and so it is with power. Um, probably tucked away in, in one of the strangest stories in the New Testament is a description about how we, as normal, everyday Christians, can experience God's power. And we see it through a guy by the name of Paul. Paul, under inspiration of God's Spirit, wrote much of the New Testament. Tons of ink has been spilled describing his life, starting with his conversion. He was a killer of Christians and he became a leader of Christians. God uh, literally blinded him, knocked him off his horse, um, saved him, called him into ministry, and that was just the beginning of all these kind of supernatural events that happened into his life. Some of them normal, some of them kind of weird, like the text we're gonna look at in 2 Corinthians 12. So in your outline or on the screen, follow me. I must go on boasting, he says in chapter 12, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on, or I will have, visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ Jesus um, who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I do uh, know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether into the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Now that's a lot of language and it's a little clunky, let me explain. Paul is talking about a trip he took to heaven. And God brought him there, and this experience is so majestic, so holy, so awesome, he doesn't know if it actually happened in his body or just his head. He doesn't know if it's literal or spiritual. And it's so amazing, he doesn't even talk about himself in the first person. He goes third person, I know a man. So Paul is saying, I don't know if it really happened in my body or just a, if it was just a vision, but God showed up. And, and this is the first key, I think, to power in our lives because Paul is telling us what God had done. So you have to do this. You have to retell your encounters with God if you're gonna experience his power. I grew up as a, a kid in a rural community. Our town was called Marion, Illinois. You know why it was called Marion? Because all of our people there were from South Carolina. The Swamp Fox, Francis Marion. Our town was named after that. And so I grew up, blue-collar dad. Dad leaves the family at 12. I'm kind of on my own. I'm a disaster. I'm rebelling against in every way you can as a as a young teenager, and God encountered me. And I had two guys come alongside me, two guys who, one led me to Christ, 
The other one discipled me. That's Joe and that's Rob. And Joe's a pastor now and I get to preach at Joe's church every year and Rob comes and we hang out. We probably talk every week to this day. But those guys came alongside me and helped me walk out of some craziness and walk in to some awesomeness in my faith. And the problem is this was like 30 some years ago. And I can remember it, but it's kind, it kind of feels distant. But when I talk about it, it feels real. And this, this, is, this is what I wanna challenge you with. See, sometimes when you talk about God's power in your past, you have hope for God's power in your present. So our job is to remember, and this is what Josh said, kicking this series off. Pastor Josh says, hey, remember God's the author of the story. Remember that. You don't have the pen, right? And you're writing this, no, no, you're the pen. God is writing your life into the story. Remember that God is the author of your story. Now let's go back in time uh, to, the, to the time you were born. You remember that? No, you don't, but you, you know what year? Remember the year you were born? Okay, on the count of three, I want you to shout out what year you were born. You ready? One, two, three. 1970, all right? Okay, now I want you to think about that. Now go before then, like three, six, nine months. You're in your mother's womb, and God is knitting you together. And genetically, through God's awesome design, your, your hair color is being picked, and your desires, and your personality is being shaped. And he loved you before you were even born. And he had a call on your life before you even said hello to this world. Now, those of you who have ceased being your own savior and you've trusted Jesus to be the forgiver of your life and the, and the leader of your life, um, and, and you know what year that happened, and not all of us know what year, and it's okay, because sometimes it's a process, but some of us know the year on the count of three. I want you to shout that year out. You ready? One, two, three. 1988. So you remember that? You remember when you were freshly forgiven? Do you remember the hope and the peace that flooded your soul? Do you remember, you remember just devouring the Bible? Do you remember like, you're like calling the church, are you open? Because I'm coming. You remember that? Every time the doors were open, you were there. Remember that? See, when you retell your encounters with God, it does something in your heart. It, it, it like arouses hope and and it just says, all right, God, if you did it then, you can do it now. If, if you showed up then, you can show up now. How about that hard time when there was pain, when there was betrayal, when there was struggle, and God met you and comforted you and brought the right people at the right time into your life? Friends, God has showed up. He has encountered us. Now, here's our job. Remember and retell. This is what the psalmist said. I will remember, he says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will retell your miracles of long ago. There is something about speaking and, and remembering what God has done that releases power in our lives. I don't understand it, but I know it works. And so Paul is showing us, what does it look like to engage power? What does it look like to experience 
strength and power from God. Paul's had this encounter. He's talking about it. Keep reading with me in 2 Corinthians 12. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should lead me. Now, I love the Bible for many reasons, but here's one. It's real. I want you to get, follow the story here. Um, <clears throat> Paul is had this incredible experience. I want you to think about the best vacation you've ever had or the best vacation you've ever heard about. Paul has us beat. Heaven is better than Cabo. Heaven is, it's better, it's just, he wins. So he's in heaven in the mountain of awesome and now he's yanked into the valley of awful. Right? And this is our lives. <laughs> this is what life is. And I love it because Paul doesn't just go, um, well, that's just life. That's kind of random. Wow, that just kind of happened. No, he goes, God did this. God did this. God brought this. I'm not gonna blame life. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna say just God was behind this. And so the second key to power is to respond to our discipline from God. This almost reads like a movie script. Let me, let me do that. Uh, it's Paul and, and God in dialogue. You ready? God says basically this. <clears throat> hey, I'm gonna give you a glimpse of heaven. Paul, amazing, astounding. No words to describe. God, um, I have to give you something else now. Awesome, can't wait. Well, God says, uh, it will be awesome. Paul's like, great, more of heaven? God's like, well, eventually, but for now, it's gonna feel more like hell. I'm gonna give you this thorn. Now, I don't know why this is, but if you're a new Christian and you get in a Bible study, like week two, three, it could be four or five after you get through the book of Revelation and all the theories there for whatever reason you end up in that Bible study. You end up having a discussion about what the thorn was. I don't know why this is. I don't know, how, but, but it's so common. So it's like, what is the thorn? I, well, I think it was this and I think it was that and commentators write this and commentators. We don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us what the thorn is. But we know something about the thorn. It was irritating. A few summers ago, we're at the lake, and my son, who was, I don't know, five or six then, gets a splinter in his toe on the dock. And he is like limping around, you know, like we're gonna have to like amputate maybe. Like, you know, it's that little kid thing. They're not really hurt, but they feel like they're really hurt. And, and I'm just oozing with compassion. I'm like, son, listen. We have spent all this money, all this time, all this preparation. There are jet skis waiting. There are tubes waiting. We are going out on the lake, son. Suck it up, buttercup, we're going. And I said a little nicer than that, but not much. And then we get out there, and I'm like, I tell his older sister, I'm like, would you just bring some comfort to Drew a little bit? Because we're going to have some fun. And um, so this is their attempt. If you can see the look on their faces, it's not going well. And I remember right after this picture was taken, I'm like, buddy, what is, 
what's wrong? He's like, Dad, I know you told me to not think about the splinter just to have fun, but this is what he said. I cannot not think about the splinter. And that's bad grammar, but good, good communication. He's like, I can't get away from this. And you know that, right? You've, you've gotten that splinter in your finger and your foot, and you forget about it for a little bit until you bang your toe or hit your hand, and then you remember it. That's this imagery of a thorn. And we know the thorn wasn't sin because God would not give sin. And we know the thorn wasn't random because Paul said God brought the thorn. So what is the thorn? What's the purpose of the thorn? Well, the purpose of the thorn, according to the text, is the thorn was to bring Paul into weakness. That's why God sent it. Uh, This is in the realm of what the Bible calls, which is why I named the, the point this, God's discipline in our lives. And, and if you are confused about what that means, let me read to you a passage from the clearest chapter, I believe, in the Bible on how God disciplines us. It's Hebrews chapter 12. This is the message translation. I think it communicates well. It says, my dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child that he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. This trouble you're in, it's not punishment. It's training. See, thorns are about training, not torture. Thorns are about purification, not punishment. God's discipline is God's way of training us. And for us to be trained, we have to be in weakness, which is super frustrating. Because I want God to teach me when things are going great. The problem is, when things are going great, I don't want to listen to God. And so God has to catch me, right, in these weak moments for me to listen. Um, I know no one else can relate to that, but that's just my story. This is discipline. And so what discipline does, what thorns do, is they bring us right here. And so life didn't bring you to your knees. That circumstance didn't bring you to your knees. God is bringing us to our knees because it's about humility. The purpose of the thorn is humility. The purpose of the thorn is to get us low. The purpose of the thorn is to help us see our weakness. Because what pride does is pride gets us thinking that we're strong enough without God. It gets us thinking that we can handle it, that I, that we've that we got this phrase. I don't know if the teenagers use it anymore. I always get in trouble when I try to use cool catchphrases now with my teenagers. Remember the, I got this? That's pride in a, in a spiritual sense. We don't got this, but we think, we, we depend on our own resources. That's pride. And so what God does, he permits some pain He ordains some discipline. He allows a thorn to squeeze out of us every single thing that wants to trust ourselves instead of God. To keep me from being conceited, a thorn was given me in my flesh. Now, I don't know what Paul's thorn was, but I know he wanted it gone. It says he prayed three times. Now, don't miss this. 
I don't know another time in the Bible where Paul said he prayed three times about anything. Maybe he did. But I, when I see Paul praying, he prays one time, dude gets healed. He speaks one word, city revival. Three times. Three times. And Paul probably doesn't pray like I pray. How many of you have been, uh, you don't have to raise your hand because then we lose our reward in heaven. How many, how many of you have been participating in the 21-day fast thing, right? How painful has that been? It's been really hard for me. Here's what it showed me, how shallow my prayer life is. Now, if I'm praying about this, I'm doing something like this. Hey, God, take this away. Hey, God, <clears throat> let me clear my let's speak a little louder. Lord, take this away. Hey, God, would you see? That's not how Paul prayed. When he says three times, here's likely what it meant three times prayer, distinct times of prayer, fasting, focus, sacrifice. And here's the thing with prayer I don't know, I, I remember sitting in a meeting years ago. And we're all like, we're strategizing. We had charts and graphs and, you know, different. And somebody's like, well, you know what? I don't know. It seems like we've been here a long time. I, I, I think we should pray. It's come to that. And this was a pastoral staff meeting. You know, sometimes it's like the last resort. And then sometimes, I don't know about you, but I don't really want to... I want to complain about stuff, but I don't really want to talk to God because I don't really want to know what he, I don't really want to know his opinion. And if I actually talk to him, he might actually give it. So I'd rather not do that. Paul, though, is like, I'm going to go ahead and talk to God and risk it. I'm going to risk it. And he talks to God. And God says, um, I got some things to talk to you about. What's your thorn? I don't know what your thorn is. I don't know what Paul's thorn is. But in context, I think we can safely say the thorn is anything in your life you want God to take away. It's anything in your life that if you could just snap your finger, gone. That's your thorn. Maybe you have a bunch of thorns. So it's the thing we worry about. It's the thing we complain about. It's the content of the majority of our prayers. Um, and Paul's like, will you please take it away? Take it away. Take and because he's talking to God, he's answered. Verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that, the power of God may rest on me. Power is found where we least expect it. Power is found, according to Jesus, in weakness. We don't think to look for it there. It's like a book in the refrigerator. But that's where it's found. And Paul is basically getting this answer. Paul why would I take away the thing in you that's the catalyst for my power through you? Why would I take away the trigger 
for strength. Why would I let you out of this weakness? Why would I remove this thorn? This is the secret of life, man. This, this is gonna mark, this is gonna change the world. And so what he's telling us, what he told Paul, what he's telling us is this. Rest in your weakness from God. Rest, relax. Verse 10, for the sake of Christ. So we rest in our weakness for the sake of Christ, for God, for the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, what am I, church? I am what? I am strong. I'm strong. Um, I have a friend whose counselor told him that he needed to do something that he wasn't good at, and then he needed to stay with it for six months. And I heard that and was terrified because I'm that guy that doesn't want to do anything he's not good at or at least can kind of fake like he's good at it. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to do that. And, and, and I've found that most people in the physical realm don't either. I, a few years ago, I think I had, been a, I had you know, been a part of like four or five like gyms you know, in a couple different cities and I started noticing this pattern that there's always two people in the, and some of these boutique gyms, it doesn't count, um, but like in a normal gym, which by the way, you, those of you who go to the gym regularly, they'll all be gone next week, so just relax, all right? We'll get our gyms back. Um, but uh, there's always two people. There's, there's, uh, there, there's the guys um, that grunt with no necks, that are always lifting heavy weights, deadlifts, you know, bench press. It's always squatting. And you see these guys, and they're always, they go from one thing to another, and they're loud. And, but very rarely, not always, but very rarely do you see these guys working their core on the treadmill, right? They just, they're just lifting heavy. And then, and then you got the guy that's, like, got the treadmill on, like, nine and the incline on seven. And there's a small pond around the treadmill, because he's been running for like three hours or something crazy. He misread, it said 30 minutes. He saw it, it said three hours on the treadmill. But very rarely do you see that guy lifting heavy weights on the, in the squat rack. And it just, I was just, I walked out of the gym and I, I was reminded of this passage and the thought came to me, very few people wanna go to their weaknesses. Most people wanna stay in their strengths. And I it's true physically, but I think it's also true spiritually and emotionally. And so what Paul is being invited to is, is what we're being invited to, which is, will you just be weak? Will you just respond to the thorn that God has put in your life? The thing that you wish God would take away, would you just realize that God brought it? Does it mean it's permanent, but it's here? so that you can be trained, so that you can be healed, so that you can be humble. See, here's the deal with humility. There's two plans. Plan A is humble yourself. Plan B is be humbled. It's humility or humiliation. We get to choose. I don't know about you, who wants plan A? I'd rather do plan A. And so what thorns do is they, they keep reminding us, you don't, you don't have it in your own strength. You can't live life by yourself. You can't do it on your own. 
and it reminds us that we need God and that he loves us so much that he would allow, permit, cause, ordain, whatever word you want to use, a thorn so that you would respond to him. You say, well, there's gotta be another way. Apparently not. Or that we'd be walking that path. Well, it's just not right. I know, there's injustice. I don't, I'm not, I don't get it, but it's real. And so, we wanna create some space right now for you to come to God in your weakness and receive power. It's that simple. We're gonna respond like we always do, but we're gonna have a special response. We're gonna have folks come down front and um, to pray with you. They've been praying all week. And we're just gonna ask God to show up in our weakness. And we're gonna ask him to show out in our lives. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the thorns that are in our lives. May we respond well to them. Help us to know that we're safe in our weakness with you. Other people will take advantage of us in our weakness. You will not. You're a good father. Your arms are safe. You're a healer. You're a restorer. And so we gladly come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so like always, we have crosses. If you're new, what we do is a lot of times we'll write something down on a piece of paper and we'll stick it to a cross. So here's what you could do. You could write down the name of your thorn. A guy in an earlier service said, um, can I write down my mother-in-law's name? And I'm like, no, you can't. It's like, well, I'll fold the paper up. Nobody will see it. I'm like, God sees it. No, can't write your mother-in-law's name down. But you could write your thorn. And then you could light a candle for a friend who's got a thorn. And you can celebrate communion from a guy who wore a crown of thorns for you and broke his body and shed his blood for you. But really the focus today, and, and do all those and more and and but we've got folks to, that are here to pray with you. And I want you, if, if in your heart you're going, man, I'm not that person that goes and gets prayed for, but I kind of feel like, hey, have some courage, overcome that fear, come. And I wanna pray and ask God to, to meet us and let's see, let's just see what he'll do in our weakness. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now. Comfort hearts, woo hearts, win praise from your people. Let them know it's safe. Inspire the people that are praying. Give them insight, revelation. Um, bring gifts of healing. Bring gifts of um, uh, prophecy. Everything that's needed to meet your people, to bring your power. We trust you to do that. Amen. Let's come.